Chapter Twenty-Eight, Dress and Adornment. Blessings of proper attire. Appropriate, modest, and becoming. In dress, as in all things else, it is our privilege to honor our Creator. He desires our clothing to be not only neat and healthful, but appropriate and becoming. Education, page two forty-eight. We should seek to make the best of our appearance. In the tabernacle service, God specified every detail concerning the garments of those who ministered before Him. Thus, we are taught that He has a preference in regard to the dress of those who serve Him. Very specific were the directions given in regard to Aaron's robes, for his dress was symbolic. So, the dress of Christ's followers should be symbolic. In all things, we are to be representatives of Him. Our appearance in every respect should be characterized by neatness, modesty, and purity. Testimonies, Volume Six, Page Ninety-Six. By the things of nature, the flowers, the lily, Christ illustrates the beauty that heaven values: the modest grace, the simplicity, the purity, the appropriateness that would make our attire pleasing to Him. The Ministry of Healing, Page Two Eighty-Nine. The dress and its arrangement upon the person is generally found to be the index of the man or the woman. The Review and Herald, January thirty, nineteen hundred. We judge of a person's character by the style of dress worn. A modest, godly woman will dress modestly. A refined taste, a cultivated mind, will be revealed in the choice of a simple, appropriate attire. The one who is simple and unpretending in her dress and in her manners shows that she understands that a true woman is characterized by moral worth. How charming, how interesting is simplicity in dress, which in comeliness can be compared with the flowers of the field. The Review and Herald, November seventeen, nineteen o four. Sound guiding principles. If the world introduces a modest, convenient, and healthful mode of dress, which is in accordance with the Bible, it will not change our relation to God or to the world to adopt such a style of dress. Christians should follow Christ and make their dress conform to God's word. They should shun extremes. They should humbly pursue a straightforward course, irrespective of applause or of censure, and should cling to the right because of its own merits. Testimonies, Volume One, pages four fifty-eight and four fifty-nine. I beg of our people to walk carefully and circumspectly before God. Follow the customs in dress so far as they conform to health principles. Let our sisters dress plainly, as many do, having the dress of good, durable material appropriate for this age, and let not the dress question fill the mind. Our sisters should dress with simplicity. They should clothe themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety. Give to the world a living illustration of the inward adorning of the grace of God. Manuscript one sixty-seven, eighteen ninety-seven, published in Child Guidance, page four fourteen. Independence and the courage to be right. Christians should not take pains to make themselves a gazing stock by dressing differently from the world. But if, when following out their convictions of duty in respect to dressing modestly and healthfully, they find themselves out of fashion, they should not change their dress in order to be like the world. 
but they should manifest a noble independence and moral courage to be right if all the world differ from them. Testimonies, Volume 1, page 458. Refining the Tastes Truth never makes men or women coarse or rough or uncourteous. It takes men in all their sin and commonness, separates them from the world, and refines their tastes, even if they are poor and uneducated. Under Christ's discipline, a constant work of refinement goes on, sanctifying them through the truth. If they are tempted to exert one particle of influence that would lead away from Christ into the way of the world, in pride or fashion or display, they speak words of resistance that will turn aside the enemy's power. I am not my own, they say. I am bought with a price. I am a son, a daughter of God. Letter 26, 1900. Simplicity in Dress As I have seen many Sabbath-keeping Adventists becoming worldly in thought, conversation, and dress, my heart has been saddened. The people who claim to believe that they have the last message of mercy to give to the world are attracted by worldly fashions and make great exertions to follow them as far as they think their profession of faith allows them to go. Worldly dress among our people is so noticeable that unbelievers frequently remark, in their dress you cannot distinguish them from the world. This we know to be true, although there are many exceptions. Those who meet the world standard are not few in numbers. We are grieved to see that they are exerting an influence, leading others to follow their example. When I see those who have named the name of Christ, aping the fashions introduced by worldlings, I have the most painful reflections. Their lack of Christlikeness is apparent to all. In the outward adorning there is revealed to worldlings as well as to Christians an absence of the inward adorning, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. Heart Condition Indicated we warn our Christian sisters against the tendency to make their dresses according to worldly styles, thus attracting attention. The house of God is profaned by the dress of professedly Christian women of today. A fantastic dress, a display of gold chains and gaudy laces, is a certain indication of a weak head and a proud heart. In order to follow in the wake of fashion, Many of our youth incur expenses which their condition in life does not justify. Children of poor parents seek to dress as do those who are wealthy. Parents tax their purses and their God-given time and strength in making and remodeling clothing to satisfy the vanity of their children. If our sisters who have abundance of means would regulate their expenditures, not in accordance with their wealth, but in regard to the responsibility to God, as wise stewards of the means entrusted to them, their example would do much to stay this evil now existing among us. Satan's Tactics Satan stands in the background devising the fashions which lead to extravagance in the outlay of means. Informing the fashions of the day, he has a fixed purpose. He knows that time and money which are devoted to meet the demands of fashion will not be used for higher, holier objects. Precious time is wasted in keeping pace with ever-changing and never-satisfying fashions. No sooner is one style introduced than new styles are devised, and then, in order for fashionable persons to remain fashionable, the dress must be remodeled. 
Thus, professing Christians with divided hearts waste their time giving to the world nearly all their energies. This entirely unnecessary burden is taken up and willingly borne by our sisters. Half of their burdens come from an attempt to follow the fashions, yet they eagerly accept the yoke because fashion is the God they worship. They are as truly held in shackles of bondage as is the veriest slave, and yet they talk of independence. They do not know the first principle of independence. They have no mind or taste or judgment of their own. Satan is wonderfully successful in infatuating minds with the ever-varying styles of dress. He knows that while the minds of women are continually filled with a feverish desire to follow fashion, their moral sensibilities are weak, and they cannot be aroused to realize their true spiritual condition. They are worldly, without God, without hope. Taste and Fitness and Durability We do not discourage taste and neatness in dress. Correct taste in dress is not to be despised or condemned. While needless ruffles, trimmings, and ornaments should be left off, we encourage our sisters to obtain good, durable material. Nothing is gained in trying to save means by purchasing cheap fabrics. Let the clothing be plain and neat without extravagance of display. Young ladies who break away from slavery to fashion will be ornaments in society. The one who is simple and unpretending in her dress and in her manners shows that she understands that a true lady is characterized by moral worth. Manuscript 106, 1901. Republished in the Review and Herald, March 20, 1958. Self-denial in dress is a part of our Christian duty. To dress plainly, abstaining from display of jewelry and ornaments of every kind, is in keeping with our faith. Are we of the number who see the folly of worldlings in indulging in extravagance of dress as well as in the love of amusements? If so, we should be of that class who shun everything that gives sanction to this spirit which takes possession of the minds and hearts of those who live for this world only and who have no thought or care for the next. Testimonies, Volume 3, page 366. Where are we drifting? A sister who had spent some weeks at one of our institutions in Battle Creek said that she felt much disappointed in what she saw and heard there. She had thought to find a people far in advance of the younger churches, both in knowledge of the truth and in religious experience. Here she hoped to gain much instruction, which she could carry to her sisters in the faith in a distant state. But she was surprised and pained at the lightness, the worldliness, and lack of devotion which she met on every hand. Before accepting the truth, she had followed the fashions of the world in her dress and had worn costly jewelry and other ornaments. But upon deciding to obey the word of God, she felt that its teachings required her to lay aside all extravagant and superfluous adorning. She was taught that Seventh-day Adventists did not wear jewelry, gold, silver, or precious stones, and that they did not conform to worldly fashions in their dress. When she saw among those who professed the faith such a wide departure from Bible simplicity, she felt bewildered. Had they not the same Bible which she had been studying and to which she had endeavored to conform her life? Had her past experience been mere fanaticism? Had she misinterpreted the words of the apostle 
The friendship of the world is enmity with God, for whosoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Mrs. D., a lady occupying a position in the institution, was visiting this sister's room one day, when the latter took out of her trunk a gold necklace and chain, and said that she wished to dispose of this jewelry and put the proceeds into the Lord's treasury. Said the other, Why do you sell it? I would wear it if it were mine. Why, replied the sister, when I received the truth, I was taught that all these things must be laid aside. Surely they are contrary to the teachings of God's word. And she cited to her hearer the words of the apostles Paul and Peter upon this point. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair, and of wearing the gold, or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. In answer, the lady displayed a gold ring on her finger, given her by an unbeliever, and said that she thought it no harm to wear such ornaments. We are not so particular, said she, as formerly. Our people have been over-scrupulous in their opinions upon the subject of dress. The ladies of this institution wear gold watches and gold chains, and dress like other people. It is not good policy to be singular in our dress, for we cannot exert so much influence. Conformity to Christ or to the world We inquire, is this in accordance with the teachings of Christ? Are we to follow the word of God or the customs of the world? Our sister decided that it was safest to adhere to the Bible standard. Will Mrs. D. and others who pursue a similar course be pleased to meet the result of their influence in that day when every man shall receive according to his works? God's word is plain. Its teachings cannot be mistaken. Shall we obey it, just as he has given it to us? Or shall we seek to find how far we can digress and yet be saved? Would that all connected with our institutions would receive and follow the divine light, and thus be enabled to transmit light to those who walk in darkness. Conformity to the world is a sin which is sapping the spirituality of our people and seriously interfering with their usefulness. It is idle to proclaim the warning message to the world while we deny it in the transactions of daily life. The Review and Herald, March 28, 1882. Self, self, self must be served. Those who have bracelets and wear gold and ornaments had better take these idols from their persons and sell them, even if it should be for much less than they gave for them, and thus practice self-denial. Time is too short to adorn the body with gold or silver or costly apparel. I know a good work can be done in this line. Jesus, the commander in the heavenly courts, laid aside his crown of royalty and his royal robe and stepped down from his royal throne and clothed his divinity with the habiliments of humanity, and for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might come into possession of eternal riches, and yet the very ones for whom Christ has done everything that was possible to do to save perishing souls from eternal ruin feel so little disposition to deny themselves anything 
that they have money to buy. The Lord is soon to come, and his reward is with him and his work before him to give every man according to his work. I try to set before the people that we are handling the Lord's money to accomplish the most important work that can be done. They can individually, through denial of self, do much more if all do a little, and the many little rivulets will make quite a current sent flowing heavenward. True, it is difficult for all to take in the situation. Self, self, self must be served and glorified, and how hard it is for all to become laborers together with God. Oh, that a spirit of self-sacrifice might come to every church, and thus every soul nigh and afar off might learn of the value of money, and use it while they can, and say, Of thine own, Lord, we give thee. See First Chronicles 29.14 Letter 110.1896 We have not time to give anxious thought as to what we shall eat and drink, and wherewithal we shall be clothed. Let us live simply and work in simplicity. Let us dress in such a modest, becoming way that we will be received wherever we go. Jewelry and expensive dress will not give us influence, but the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, the result of devotion to the service of Christ, will give us power with God. Kindness and forethought for those about us are qualities precious in the sight of heaven. If you have not given attention to the acquirement of these graces, do so now, for you have no time to lose. Manuscript 83, 1909 the Clothes Seventh-day Adventist Ministers Wear. Compiler's Note. This is reported as spoken before the General Conference of 1871. Ephesians 3, 6 and 7. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power whereof I was made a minister, not merely to present the truth to the people, but to carry it out in the life. But it is not this only. There are other things to be considered, in which some have been negligent, but which are of consequence in the light in which they have been presented before me. Carefulness in dress is an important item. There has been a lack here with ministers who believe present truth. The dress of some has been even untidy, not only has there been a lack of taste and order in arranging the dress in a becoming manner upon the person and in having the color suitable and becoming for a minister of Christ, but the apparel of some has been even slovenly. Some ministers wear a vest of a light color while their pants are dark, or a dark vest and light pants, with no taste or orderly arrangement of the dress upon the person when they come before the people. These things are preaching to the people. The minister gives them an example of order and sets before them the propriety of neatness and taste in their apparel, or he gives them lessons in slackness and lack of taste, which they will be in danger of following. Attire appropriate for the pulpit. Black or dark material is more becoming to a minister in the desk and will make a better impression upon the people then would be made by a combination of two or three different colors in his apparel. I was pointed back to the children of Israel anciently, 
and was shown that God had given specific directions in regard to the material and style of dress to be worn by those who ministered before him. The God of heaven, whose arm moves the world, who sustains us and gives us life and health, has given us evidence that he may be honored or dishonored by the apparel of those who officiate before him. He gave special directions to Moses in regard to everything connected with his service. He gave instruction even in regard to the arrangement of their houses and specified the dress which those should wear who were to minister in his service. They were to maintain order in everything. The right impressions might be made. There was to be nothing slack and untidy about those who appear before him when they came into his holy presence. And why was this? What was the object of all this carefulness? Was it merely to recommend the people to God? Was it merely to gain his approbation? The reason that was given me was this, that a right impression might be made upon the people. If those who ministered in sacred office should fail to manifest care and reverence for God in their apparel and their deportment, the people would lose their awe and their reverence for God and his sacred servants. If the priests showed great reverence for God by being very careful and very particular as they came into his presence, it gave the people an exalted idea of God and his requirements. It showed them that God was holy, that his work was sacred, and that everything in connection with his work must be holy, that it must be free from everything like impurity and uncleanness, and that all defilement must be put away from those who approach nigh to God. The Minister's Dress and the Truth From the light that has been given me, there has been a carelessness in this respect. I might speak of it as Paul presents it. It is carried out in will-worship and neglecting of the body. But this voluntary humility, this will-worship and neglecting of the body, is not the humility that savors of heaven. That humility will be particular to have the person and actions and apparel of all who preach the holy truth of God right and perfectly proper, so that every item connected with us will recommend our holy religion. The very dress will be a recommendation of the truth to unbelievers. It will be a sermon in itself. A minister who is negligent in his apparel often wounds those of good taste and refined sensibilities. Those who are faulty in this respect should correct their errors and be more circumspect. The loss of some souls at last will be traced to the untidiness of the minister. The first appearance affected the people unfavorably because they could not in any way link his appearance with the truths he presented. His dress was against him, and the impression given was that the people whom he represented were a careless set who cared nothing about their dress and his hearers did not want anything to do with such a class of people. The plane of minister's work judged by his dress. Some who minister in sacred things so arrange their dress upon their persons that to some extent at least it destroys the influence of their labor. There is an apparent lack of taste in color and neatness of fit. What is the impression given by such a manner of dress? It is that the work in which they are engaged is considered no more sacred or elevated than common labor, as plowing in the field. The minister by his example brings down sacred things upon a level with common things. The influence of such preachers is not pleasing to God. 
Testimonies, Volume 2, pages 609 to 614. On making the dress question a test. Your letter has been received and read. The subject that you place before me for counsel, the proposal to return to the reform dress advocated and worn in the late 1860s, is one that needs to be carefully considered. Our sisters, whose minds are agitated upon the subject of again resuming the reform dress, should be prayerfully cautious in every move they make. We have now the most solemn, important tests given to us from the Word of God for this special period of time. This test is for the whole world. The Lord does not require that any tests of human invention shall be brought in to divert the minds of the people or create controversy in any line. It may be that some are thirsting for distinction in some way. If they are thirsting for a battle with satanic agencies, let them be sure that they first have on every piece of the armor of God. If they have not, they will surely be worsted and make for themselves grievous trials and disappointments which they are not prepared to meet. Let all seek the Lord most earnestly for that deep and rich experience that is to be found in the subject of heart preparedness to follow Christ where he shall lead the way. If any man will come after me, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. These words are to be weighed well. The man who wishes to follow Christ, who chooses to walk in his footsteps, will find self-denial and the cross in that path. All who follow Christ will understand what this involves. Dress not to be the test question. God's tests are now to stand out plain and unmistakable. There are storms before us, conflicts of which few dream. There is no need now for any special alteration in our dress. The plain, simple style of dress now worn, made in the most healthful way, demands no hoops and no long trails and is presentable anywhere. And these things should not come in to divert our minds from the grand test which is to decide the eternal destiny of the world the commandments of God, and the faith of Jesus. We are nearing the close of this world's history. A plain, direct testimony is now needed, as given in the word of God in regard to the plainness of dress. This should be our burden. But it is too late now to become enthusiastic in making a test of this matter. The desire to follow Christ in all humility of mind, preparing the heart, purifying the character, is by no means an easy work. Our sisters may be assured that the Lord has not inspired them to make a test of that which was once given as a blessing, but which by many was hated and despised as a curse. The Reform Dress The Reform Dress, which was once advocated, proved a battle at every step. Editor's Note The Reform Dress advocated and adopted in the 1860s was designed by a group of Seventh-day Adventist women in an attempt to provide a healthful, modest, comfortable, and neat attire in harmony with the light given Ellen White, which was much needed at that time. See pages 252 to 255. It called for loose-fitting garments hung from the shoulders with a hemline about nine inches from the floor. The lower limbs were clothed with a trouser-like garment providing comfort and warmth. See Story of Our Health Message, pages 112 to 130 the compilers. Members of the church refusing to adopt this healthful style of dress caused dissension and discord. 
With some, there was no uniformity in taste in the preparation of the dress as it had been plainly set before them. This was food for talk. The result was that the objectionable features, the pants, were left off. The burden of advocating the reformed dress was removed because that which was given as a blessing was turned into a curse. There were some things that made the reformed dress a decided blessing. With it, the ridiculous hoops, which were then in fashion, could not possibly be worn. The long dress skirts trailing on the ground and sweeping up the filth of the streets could not be patronized. But a more sensible style of dress has now been adopted which does not embrace these objectionable features. The fashionable style of dress may be discarded and should be by all who will read the Word of God. The time spent in advocating the dress reform should be devoted to the study of the Word of God. The dress of our people should be made most simple. The skirt and sack I have mentioned may be used, not that just that pattern and nothing else should be established, but a simple style as was represented in that dress. Some have supposed that the very pattern given was the pattern that all were to adopt. This is not so. But something as simple as this would be the best that we could adopt under the circumstances. No one precise style has been given me as the exact rule to guide all in their dress. Simple dresses should be worn. Try your talent, my sisters, in this essential reform. The people of God will have all the tests that they can bear. The Sabbath question is a test that will come to the whole world. We need nothing to come in now to make a test for God's people that shall make more severe for them the test they already have. The enemy would be pleased to get up issues now to divert the minds of the people and get them into controversy over the subject of dress. Let our sisters dress plainly, as many do, having the dress of good material, durable, modest, appropriate for this age, and let not the dress question fill the mind. The Example Some Set there are those who, with all the light of the Word of God, will not obey His directions. They will follow their own tastes and do as they please. These give a wrong example to the youth and to those who have newly come to the truth, who have made it a practice to copy every new style of dress in trimmings that take time and money, and there is little difference between their apparel and that of the worldling. Let our sisters conscientiously heed the Word of God for themselves. Do not begin the work of reform for others until you do. For you will have no success. You cannot possibly change the heart. The working of the Spirit of God inwardly will show a change outwardly. Those who venture to disobey the plainest statements of inspiration will not hear and receive and act upon all the human efforts made to bring these idolaters to a plain, unadorned, simple, neat, proper dress that does not in any way make them odd or singular. They continue to expose themselves by hanging out the colors of the world. Our whole term of probation is very brief, and a short work will be done upon the earth. God's own tests will come. His proving will be sharp and decisive. Let every soul humble himself before God and prepare for what is before us. Letter 19, 1897.